0: Shot of Hope Live! I don't appreciate drug addicts in my town. Pouring recovery and hope directly into your ears, one episode at a time. With your recovering radio outlaws, Mickey the Kid. Trying to
1: think, but nothing
2: happened.
0: And the sober gangster. We don't use the word insane, we prefer the term mentally hilarious. It's Shot of Hope
3: Live!
1: Ah! Me!
0: i'm saying it is shot of hope live i'm your host mickey the kid my co-host so thank god he is back with me tonight the sober gangster what's going what's good brother how are you
2: it was a lonely week last week I, i was not a fan of being on the road being i was in las vegas and stuck in a conference and man i missed it it was a great episode last week i'm so glad to be back
0: well, and and you're—it's just trust me, man. We—I'm glad to have you back. And of course, tonight we have uh, a woman of the female persuasion here to share her amazing story with us. Um, it's you're going to be our first female guest episode. For Rachel has an amazing Facebook page um, that is God, thirty nine thousand strong. Um, it is addict with purpose. Um, And Rachel is going to share her amazing story, journey, and message of hope with us. Rachel, how the hell are you? And where are you joining us from tonight?
1: I am so good and excited to be here. Thank you. I am coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee. Well, kind of Nashville. I live in the suburbs, but I'm in the burbs.
0: (laughs) We are absolutely glad to have you here tonight. And, uh, I can't wait to hear this. Cause I mean, I, I, here's the great, here, let me tell you a little bit about her since you don't know much yet, uh, Mr. Gangster. Um, so I was just perusing the internet through the old Facebook, you know, deal and, uh, And uh, I was researching, like, recovery rooms or something like that. And Addict with Purpose came up. And then I started. Now every day I I see her in my feed with these amazing, you know, morning. Good morning, everybody. It's sunshine. And, you know, and look at the unicorn. It just ran past my car as I'm on my way into work. And, (laughs) I mean, she's just got this amazing personality that you are drawn to immediately. And, um, man, I'm just glad to have her
2: here tonight. I'm doing a little live insta of our live with rachel because i want everybody to hop on right now so
0: absolutely i
2: just went went live on my insta and i just did a little shot because i'm excited for people to hear rachel's story
0: absolutely so get us started rachel when did it all begin with you like um when did when did you know you know did you could you tell when you were a kid that you had addict tendencies or how did how did your journey begin or how did your story begin
1: well i was like a total can i curse
2: yeah. Fuck yes. Because I was like
1: a little shithead. Okay, <laughs> my poor dad. I grew up in a in a in a family where, gratefully today, a lot of people are in recovery. But I grew up in a super dysfunctional home, um, and I went to rehab for the very first time at 15 years old. Wow. And I, yeah, I spent my whole entire high school in and out of rehab. Um, mm-hmm. At that point, I didn't have a problem. My parents just sucked because they didn't want me to go out and party. And why shouldn't I at sixteen years old be hanging out with people who nope. were in job corps and Out here tonight with strangers and getting drunk and high all night long? Like, why would that not be okay? Um, so my my journey into addiction and alcoholism started at a young age. I started using at fourteen. Um. And I continued to use until I'm 43, Yeah. I I continued to use until I think I was 37. So for a really long time, and I had bits and sprouts of getting into recovery. And the more I get into my story, I'll kind of share about that, but I've been an addict my whole life and a little shithead. Now I'm a positive shithead.
2: I can relate to that. That was my story. I'm right there with you. I was a shithead from 14 till I got sober and spent most of my teen years in that in and out of treatment facilities or in a cage, one or the other. Yeah. So yeah.
0: What, was the, what was it? What was the behavior though? That you know, I mean, obviously then getting drunk with people. And I mean, we 16 years old. I, I can kind of write that same story. Um, you know, was was there you know, was it where the cops called? I mean, were you were you taken to juvie? I mean, did you have to go through that really hard, rigorous, you know, teenage that wrought, you know, riotous, rebellious teenage syndrome? You know, that we all go through as addicts, or was it a little yeah. bit more high bottom? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the cops were involved. I my story's kind of it's that typical story of a kid who moved around a lot. I grew up in New York. We moved to Utah when I was 13, and we were different right? So we came in in the the, end of the 80s, early 90s as these total Queens, New York kids. And my accent was ridiculous. Like Fran Drescher off of that TV (laughs) show. I'm like, where's my water, my quarter, my father over there. Um, And so everybody, like we were different. We came with like these bright neon clothes and we went to Utah. (laughs) So
3: everything about
1: us was all wrong. And so i just wanted to fit in and i wanted to have friends and everywhere i went everybody laughed at me if we went to church they're like we want rachel to talk and they all laughed now as an adult i know they just thought i talked really cool but as a kid in this new neighborhood where everybody's just laughing at you um nobody likes that um i mean they were awful and and all teenage kids are awful and so i went and I i found they're awful, right? Like little jerks were pulling yeah. my hair on little the bus. Little sons and telling of I was oh, <laughs> <laughs> just crying all the time. Yeah. And so I found a group of misfits who were also from other areas. Like I remember one of my best friends was from here in Tennessee. He was from Memphis. Another one was from the Bronx. and my story and journey started hanging out with these people as they were learning what gangbanging was and how to be a gangster. And I mean, these kids I hung out with were literally picking what set they wanted to be with. And, and that's what i molded to. So wow. yeah, it was crazy I can't picture
0: that in Utah for some reason, because I just think all the Mormons and you know, right. like, you know, like I can't picture that, but I, I guess it ha- exists.
1: Well, and those Utah Mormons didn't want to know me. And so I had to find somebody who would accept me and I have a twin. Um, and so we found the other misfits and people who didn't have friends. And it wasn't a large group of people. I mean, Utah was such a culture shock to me also. I mean, I came from the melting pot of the con- country to one Indian, one Chinese, and maybe a half black kid in my school, <laughs> you know? And so finding the the kids that, that related to me as I got into junior high and we were into high school, it was bad. I mean, there was, we were stealing cars and calling them in stolen or like doing stupid shit and the cops would come over and be like, that car you reported stolen is in your garage. And I was like, oh, (laughs) so you guys are going to check the house because somebody robbed a Burger King. So we were hiding the car and like stupid, (laughs) dumbass shit. But I never... Go ahead.
2: What what made you guys move to Utah from New York?
1: What was the transition? My dad, my sister, my oldest sister, I have two older sisters, and she was hanging out with the neighborhood junkie. And my dad wanted to protect her and was like, we're running away from our problems. And so my dad had come to Utah to get sober um many many years ago and oh. that's where he met my mom and lo- moved back to new york and so he was like well let's go to utah that's where i was got silver and did yeah. really well Fitz let's Everton, go back.
0: to utah it's where we get you know virginia's for lovers but uh, you know for <laughs> fucking utah's for addicts
1: <laughs> Utah's all about addicts they have this little saying out there and they're like come on vacation leave on
3: probation totally what florida
1: yeah and so utah was not healthy for me um i was a teenage runaway i was hanging out with like i look at the people i was hanging out with back then and i'm like i am so lucky i wasn't trafficked i am so lucky that i wasn't that alive. and there was really things like you know a big part of my story is i was like, wanted to go to this party and my dad said no you can't go get drunk and he knew there was going to be guys there and he was really tr- being a good father, protecting no. me from the world. But I'm like, you are not getting in my way. They went out to dinner and I ran away. And my first night as a 15 year old out on the streets, um, I was with a bunch of guys and I got really drunk. And and then what happens to 15 year olds who get drunk with a bunch of dudes happened. Um, and I was taken advantage of and by a lot of men. And I couldn't go home after that. And it was like, how do you go home? Okay, I made a really big mistake. But how do I go home and tell my mom all these men just like, had their way with me. And so I just continued to party. And
0: that's rough. I was
1: it was awful. It was awful. You know, because I thought I was just going out to have fun. And as an adult, I realized my dad was saving me trying to from this exact moment. And I'll never forget it. Like I'm puking in a swimming pool. Cause I'm drunk. And these <laughs> fuckers are like, let's take advantage of her. Who does that? Yeah. Sick people, <laughs> sick motherfuckers. Well,
2: I just, I just sat at our dinner table last night with my two teenage daughters that are 16 and 17 and had a really serious talk about that's the reality of the dangers that women can face that, I I don't understand it. Like I didn't face that, 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 that thing did not, those things, it wasn't a risk for me in those environments. And now that I'm a father of teenage girls and I know how teenage boys can be when they get drunk and when they get stupid and get in a crowd, it's a real fear. And having these hard conversations around the table are really important to know what, what can happen to young women out there living the lifestyle that, I mean, you don't have to be living the lifestyle that we're living oh, it it actually, young that women everywhere all, all the time. Yeah. It's, it can, and it's just as a, as a male, um, who's strong and, you know, heterosexual, like all the things that, all the things that happen to other people don't, I don't really have to get to experience. And so I have to put myself in, you know, other people's shoes and what, what is out there for them. And you know, what you went through is a conversation I just had with my daughters last night because they're going to a party for Halloween that's at a pool, um, where they're dressed up in Halloween clothes. And I mean, what you just said just sent chills down my body because it's like it's a real thing and it's scary. And it's, it's let me tell you, that so you went through it.
0: Having been uh man, I, I I've seen this story happen. Um, you know, at high school parties. Um, I have uh you know, I I've known about things that have happened to, you know, the loose girl, you know, that was at the party, just wanted to be with the, one of the guys. And, um, man, it is the most awful. Uh, I mean, I left a party one time because I was more, I was like, I can't be around these motherfuckers. I, this is, these are not my people. These are not my guys. And, um, I, yeah. I just remember these, I, I just saw these guys uh, that uh, did something to a girl on a pool table. She was absolutely passed out fucking drunk. And, um, and I just left horrified, you know, it was just like, Holy fuck. I can't, I can't be a part of this. And uh, I'm like, well, let's go to the next high school party. And we wound up going to another party. And um, just cause I didn't want to be around there, a bunch of jocks, bunch of fucking dickheads. And um, you know, and, uh, and I don't, don't know how that girl is today, but I do know that that is a very, very real, tragic, life-changing mind fuck that uh, no woman should ever, ever have to experience. And that's why I have a lot of compassion and empathy for the woman that makes it to the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous or makes it to Alcoholics Anonymous. And there are very few. Th- th- it's not like the men. You know, because we're fucking strong. You know, we're strong until we're weak. And we know that if we get together with a bunch of cavemen, that we're going to make a fucking village together. And we know that we're going to survive. But seeing the wood, trying to see, there's not as many women in recovery. And there need to be more messages of hope. And, hey, if you come here, here's what we can we can hopefully help you with. And, you know, I've seen sick shit in recovery, too. But, you know, it's not as prevalent as it is in the real world, you know, with people drugging girls and, you know, all that stuff. It's, very, it's a very dangerous situation, especially if you're female and fragile. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's awful. It's awful. And it happens. And I wish that was the only time in my story that something like that happened in, like— and it's not. Yeah. I mean, as a woman, yeah. eventually you just get used to it and you're Stop. like, it, well, and it's crazy. Like there were so many nights I was somewhere and I would lock my door and I'm waking up with somebody's hands down my pants. And I'm like, my fucking door was shut, you fucking tool. Like, why am I waking up like this? Like, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate you for having those conversations with your kids and, and being real because in my home we didn't talk about that stuff it was sure. just papa the powerhouse dad who we think is this mean evil bully is just protecting us because he doesn't want us to know what's out there and so well, my and kids know when, all about what's out there
2: let me be let me be fair My wife is the instigator of these conversations while I'm at the table (laughs) and I'm this chair there because it's hard for me to have those conversations. Can't imagine. And luckily, she's there to have these real conversations because I I mean, I can't, I don't know of a woman that has not experienced some form of abuse somewhere (laughs) at some point in their life, whether it's been very, you know, heavy abuse or, small abuse. I have abuses it abuse. It's like, it's kind of like if you, if you were going to ride a motorcycle, you just have to plan on wrecking that motorcycle one day. Mm-hmm. It's as a woman, at some point you're going to have to deal with facing abuse or trauma in some form, whether it's verbal or physical or whatever, and I didn't know that. I didn't know how bad it was until mental
0: too. I, Mental's a big so, one, man. Fucking, yeah. you can get with that narcissistic guy that fucking gaslights you and fucks with your head. And
1: done that it, too. You know, <laughs> looks, yeah.
0: No, I, I, I know it's out there. I know it's out there. I know people that are going that are going through divorce and going through that shit right now. And uh yeah, it's raw. It's raw. And um, you know, but thank you for your courage of sharing that with us and the audience tonight. Um because it takes an incredible amount of courage to share that story. And uh, I I just commend you for your bravery, for sharing that with us tonight, I really do.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's awful, you know, but, but we have these conversations so that hopefully other, you know, and that's not gonna, saying those things happen is not gonna stop a teenager or an adult from going to a party tonight, but maybe they'll be happy wrong word, maybe they'll feel safe to bring it to somebody else. Sure. You know, and that's why we we recover out loud, right? Yeah. Well,
2: and it's a lot like what you just said, recovering out loud. I might not say something tonight that gets somebody sober, but at least I put a bug, you might put a bug in their, in their ear. That's all I can hope for with my girls. Like at least if they see the warning signs coming, they at least have heard it and they can escape before it gets too bad, or they can. Be like, oh God! We just talked about this at the dinner table. This is literally happening before my eye. I, I need to get out of here. I need to grab my sister and I need to go. See yeah, something? Like all I can help is yeah. All I can hope is we're something that gets said. Whether it's where we're all sitting here carrying a message of recovery. Somebody hears something that one day they'll be like, I remember what Rachel said on that podcast. Holy shit! I need to. I need help.
0: Yeah, it's real. Real is rain. Uh, that shit. That shit happens every day, and it's uh, it's dreadful. It's, a, yeah. it's a, you know, so on the darker side, so that you to, you, now that you've taken us to the darkest side of this addiction shit, I mean, like, you know, I've, I'm, I'm just, I'm dumbfounded, um, you know, take us into how you, how you found recovery, you know, I mean, obviously the rehab at 15, you know, take me, take me down the, to, the you know, so you already know what happened. So what it, what it was like to get to where you, where you're going now.
1: So I had numerous rock bottoms, right? Like I wish I could say I was one of those people who my first rock bottom was, was it but I didn't even really get that it was a rock bottom. You know, like I was homeless in New York City, backpack kid living out, like figuring things out. And it was everybody else's fault, right? It's always everybody else's fault. You know, I'm homeless, not because I'm using drugs, I'm homeless because you kicked me out. (laughs) The reason why does not matter? Um, My first experience of getting sober, I got really lucky. And in 2007, I birthed my first child. And I was married to, I just was married. (laughs) I was married to somebody and we weren't planning, we were married probably about a year and a half. We weren't planning on having kids. I was heavy into my addiction Um, and I ended up getting pregnant. And by God's grace, I thank you, Jesus, again. Just I knew when I got pregnant that I needed to clean up and I got sober really for the very first time on my own for my kid and i quit cold turkey i was on a bunch of meth i was on a bunch of coke i mean a bunch of alcohol <laughs> like new york city club girl gone i'm going to withdraw i think this is i think this is morning sickness but it, but i'm not really sure and i had two kids back to back my kids are 18 months old um 18 months apart literally to the day and I literally breastfed them until like the very last moment of being able to, cause I knew once I wasn't pregnant and once I wasn't feeding them, then I had to like be sober on my own. And that didn't work because a lot of people, they say this, you know, if you don't work a program, you're eventually going to go back. Well, that just continued to run true through my life over and over again. So I got sober for probably like three, four years. I had a little cigarette here and there, during like the, the young ages of my kids and I drink a glass of wine or, but not often, but as soon as the breastfeeding was done, alcohol is my, I love drugs, right? I love them, but I'm the alcoholic of the worst kind because you give me a tiny little bit of alcohol and I go on to this crazy meth bender or Coke bender until I'm incarcerated, every time, every it's time.
0: The, it's the, it's it's what I tell everybody, you know, I mean, we, we could say, I, I know I'm a drug addict. I. I all I do is the only reason I start with alcohol is because it lowers the inhibitions, and then once once I'm the inhibitions are down, fuck it. let's 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 make some bad decisions, like right. Yeah. Here. Let's go. And I make really oh, great God, bad decisions
1: because all I'm thinking is I'm too drunk to drive. Better go get some coke. Better yeah. go get some mess so I can drive and well, what's bad a neighborhood? Reform.
0: Where's the bad neighborhood in this city? Because uh, yeah. that's where I need to go. You know, I'm gonna t- drive down there at three in the morning and see who's standing on the corner.
1: Yeah, totally normal. I mean, times in my life. Like this is just funny in New York, like cops, literally I'm up in Washington Heights. I'm up in areas. I have no business being. And the cops would tell me they're like, if I see you out here one more time, I'm like, I got arrested one night for being in the wrong neighborhood. And I didn't understand it. Now I do as a 40 year old, when the cop was like, I'm taking you in because I'm saving your life. I was like, if this motherfucker, I I need to get high bro. Um, And he probably was saving my life. And I probably, you know, my life was more likely saved, but, um, so I went back into this crazy bender got started using again, probably like 2010. But, but what I did was instead of going back to the drugs, I'm I'm an ADD kid. I've always been an ADD kid. So I got this really great idea that because I couldn't get rid of like the taste of the meth or the coke from the back of my nose i could always smell it i could taste it i was fantasizing about it all the time and i'm like i have kids i can't do that but i can get some adderall and i went and got adderall and for like the first two months i took it well i knew how to manipulate to get it to where i was prescribed it three times a day and you know like the highest dose three times a day so i was lit and then i would have this idea (laughs) let's take two at a time and then three at a time and now four at a time and now in two weeks my whole entire script's gone and i need to be high so let's go back to being on meth and and my cycle just all the time over and over kept happening wow they say in recovery and in the rooms right you have to change your people places and things so i moved to new york um sorry i moved out of new york back to utah in hopes of running from my problems and this will make you guys laugh just because it's just so true um i went out to a bar one night moved back to utah i swore i'd never go back there i left it in 1997 i was like this place sucks i want to get the fuck out of here end up going back to run from my problems and i meet the exact same people that i got in trouble with in high school at a bar and from that moment on, that was it. It was the end of my marriage. I was back on Coke. I was back, you know, selling pills and I was doing everything. Now I'm in the strip club. The strip clubs are more important than hanging out with my kids. And the whole entire ugly cycle just continued to keep on happening until this beautiful, awful moment, um, July 20, July 30, 31st, I think, um, 2017, I went to go visit my kids. I completely abandoned them. You know, it's like the one thing I can always say is, you know, something's really awful and and powerful and bad is when you leave your children over it, because there is not one person, a father or a mother who intentionally will desert their children on purpose. And that's what drugs do. They, you leave, you abandon your children that day, that little beautiful being is born and you are so in love and you just, You have a reason to live, but then you can't live without the substances that keep you away from them. So I had come to my mom's house. I'd been awful, (laughs) just lots of awful, terrible stories. I'm kind of like at that part where I wanna get sober and I'm thinking I'm gonna go to my mom's and visit my children. hadn't seen them in months and maybe I'm gonna get sober, maybe I won't. That was the intention. Truth be told, if I didn't get arrested that day, I don't know if I would've got sober, like I wanted to, I, I, I don't know. And I remember my mom's super LDS. So like she's always been, don't not, if the, if you go to jail, don't call me. I went to jail all the time. She never answered. She never visited. She, she stood her ground. She's like, I don't do jail. You know, I'm those not. kind of people, they're not my people. And if you do that, you're not my kid. And she held her own boundary cause that was hard for her. Not. Um, I went to her house I passed out she has a picture and I share it you know on my recovery birthday every year I was passed out withdrawing from years of use and she took pictures of me and I, I to this day I don't know if she called the cops or not she it was either the warrant squad showed up but when I knocked on the when I came to her house I'm like mom it's the weekend the warrant squad may come I have a bunch of warrants um if they come, don't answer the door. And she must have just thought I was nuts. But to me, that was like same thinking. Don't answer the door, hide yeah. from the cops, you know? And I'll never forget it. Um, I mean, my kids were sitting on top of me. They were seven to nine at that time, literally playing on detoxing passed out mom who didn't move for three days. Like I might've just moved just an inch. Yeah. Um, the picture's awful, I'm skin and bone, my hair is like blonde, only at this part, I'm ratchet. Like I just look like I'm strung out and ratchet. Total,
3: Total.
0: yeah. And
1: I rem- I'll i never, ever forget this. I know I keep saying that, but I hear the doorbell ring and it's like day three of me like fully sleeping and I hear my little girl, Carly, just go, mommy, yeah, my mommy's here. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening, <laughs> right? Thanks, and I'm like, mommy's here, Who, who's there? <laughs> And Uncle I open policeman. my eyes and it's, and it's the popo yeah. and I'm just like, what do I do now? I know I have a bunch of like paraphernalia on me. Now, of course there is nothing on there. Cause like, why would you throw out your tutors that you've already rinsed out? Why would you throw out your foils that you've already licked off? You know what I mean? You gotta yeah. save them. You gotta save everything. Cause there <laughs> might just be something at some point. So the cops are there and i'm like i gotta freaking figure out how to get rid of this evidence because they're gonna find it when they bring me into jail and i try to like
0: another charge
1: yeah and i try to smoothly throw it away and he catches me and and it wasn't uh, more charges added to the list of just the warrants coming to pick me up and like i'm like you're charging me for paraphernalia on something that there's not even drugs in i already drank it (laughs) like um And I think for whatever reason it was, the cops were really cool. They didn't put me in handcuffs in front of my kids. That was the best part. But I was under this impression and understanding because I was sick, that as long as my kids didn't see me sick, they didn't know what was happening. So if I'm not using drugs in front of them and not coming home for five fucking months, they don't know the harm that's happening. I mean, this is just sick thinking, right? I'm thinking I'm doing them a favor. Meanwhile, I'm just traumatizing them and, and destroying their lives regardless. Um, yeah. And so the cops arrested me that day. I'm driving out This part's funny. <laughs> I'm, I have a total different thought process of what I'm telling the cop. And I'm like, bro, I will do whatever you need me to do. I just got out of jail. I just did like three months. Please don't take me back. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And the cop looks back and he's like, ma'am, we don't do those kind of things. Yeah. We don't take those kind of, we don't take those kind of offers. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I just want to go to rehab, bro. And <laughs> I'm like trying to offer yeah. sexual favors for sure. and I'm all for like, send me to rehab. I'll go. I wanted to get sober. <laughs> And yeah. I just remembered his face and me just, I mean, I hung out with strippers and that was my life and escorts and whatever. And I mean, I didn't go that route, but I did other things to make money and no judgment. Like I love my sex worker friends and mm. I support, you know, whatever. But when he said that, I was like, Honey, that ain't my whole phone. It's my hustler phone. <laughs> you know? and I just thought that was crazy that he even thought that that's what I meant. But of course he did. You of know? course,
0: you're a drug addict. So what's he gonna think? Yeah. Oh yeah. Now she's trying to proposition me not to take her to jail. Okay. Well, you know that might work in L.A., but it ain't working in here. Right. This
2: like, is Utah. This yeah, is Utah. This, this is Utah. And
0: it was
1: like he's like this blonde, like young rookie, and I'm just yeah. laughing like. No, bro, just rehab. Yeah, they didn't offer me rehab. I had to do. They were trying to give me six months for a tail light ticket. I mean, it wasn't even a good charge. That the charges oh, I had in Utah geez. County, which were probably going to send me to prison.
0: They, they were like, we don't want to transport tail light
1: ticket. Tail light ticket, dude. Tail oh, light ticket. coming
0: to the house for a
2: tail light warrant. <laughs>
1: tail light ticket. <laughs> I'm telling they just you wanted.
2: Know. They just wanted to get you off the street. Let's That's be clear. Mayberry, right? Yeah, because I was they such a menace. You were, you were a menace, and they wanted a you menace off the menace
1: for my taillight ticket. No and doubt. So, but that was God working in His mysterious way. It was. For they sure. were he, first of all, they were trying to tell me the judge was out of town for was like on vacation. I couldn't even get a court date for like three months, and I'm like, this is bullshit. And nobody was going to pay eighteen hundred dollars, you know, for that not even get bailed out for $50. Now, 1800, this is trash. But, <laughs> but it ended up working in my favor. This was the very first time, you know, my mom knew at this moment that something was different. Cause I was like, she just knew getting arrested in front of the kids and bringing them in was, she always knew my heart for my kids was real. Mm. And she started answering the phone. She gave me 10 bucks on my phone every week, which was more than I'd had in a long time um ten dollars so i can get my coffee and honey buns <laughs> while i was in there I mean,
0: but that gangsta <laughs> food right there i'm
1: telling you like
0: thanks let's
3: go
1: it was and it was awesome like she let me talk to my kids and for the first time ever i had hope that i was actually like i tried to get out of jail and get sober but again if you don't go to work a program or if you don't go to do something nothing changes if nothing changes you can't keep hanging out. <laughs> can't go to a trap house and hang out with everybody shooting dope and expect yourself not to shoot dope in three days. Cause I always did something. Um, and that was the beginning of my beautiful journey. Um, I came home, my mom and dad let Mo at that point, it was just my mom and she let me back into the house and everybody told her she was stupid. This is wrong. Rachel is not going to get better. She's been homeless for too long. She's been in the dark for too long. There's no hope. And and I thank her every day, almost every week, still to this day, because I'm like, had you not let me home, I wouldn't have been able, I wasn't gonna go to an AA clubhouse and and raise my hand and say I need help. Like I wasn't maybe I would have, but I probably would have already been in federal prison and just sitting in circles in in the prison, because okay. that's where I was headed. Like I had some charges that again, by the grace of God, I don't know why, why all of a sudden they stopped pursuing me, but they did. Um and life has been really wonderful since then. But a lot of tragedy in between. You know, and what?
0: I like, man, we, you know, we're all like patch quilts, you know? Um Our life, each one has a patch for it. You know, every little little uh, the moment in time um that has made us into these beautiful mosaics of human beings who we are because we come in to recover broken, just shattered and uh i watch people every day you know as as sober gangster does as you do come in and they pick up the pieces little by little and they start put, gluing them back together and they make this they turn out to be these most beautiful inspired humans that just want to carry the same message that you're carrying in the room and they you know the ones that have the desperation that, you know, I know that's who I was when I got there, man. I, you know, one felony, it only took one felony arrest for me. And I was like, man, that fucking mugshot is ugly. I, I can't look that ugly ever again. You know, and I'm just like, we can't be doing this. And then sitting in a bullpen, you know, trying to wait to, to call in every attorney in town to <laughs> every <laughs> bail bondsman. Um, you know, they got all the numbers that like in, in Fort Myers jail, they have like a six TV screens and then they go alphabetically A through Z. And you're just trying to find one bail bonds, that's it's going to pick up at seven in the morning and fucking come get you. And then of course they come at, you know, eight o'clock, they post your bond, but you're, they're not letting you out till noon, two yeah. o'clock, you know, you're still no. sitting there eating a mystery meat sandwich, wow. waiting for fucking everybody to, you know, the, in your stupid orange jumpsuit, you know, and just yes. like, like, I couldn't wait to get out of there, man. I got out of there and I was like, fuck, you know, and then I still went back home. I was still using, um, and it took, you know, it took my wife who is an absolute angel of mercy coming into my four, be- empty four bedroom house and going, you look like fucking shit. You're going to die. And, um, and I said, uh, yeah, she's like, just please go to treatment. And I'm like, who's going to, who's going to take care of this house, <laughs> this empty fucking house. Who's going to take care of this place? And she, <laughs> she's like, I'll have your friends just pack up all this shit and fucking move it into storage. And I'm like, Give me my, t- give me two credit cards then. And then she gave me two credit cards. And I went to my drug dealer. I bought a bunch of dope and I drove straight to Cleveland, Ohio to this place called primary purpose. And, um, that's where my journey, I, that desperation, I, I remember waking up the second day in treatment, just crying my fucking eyes out. Like I was, yeah. like I had died, you know, like i had already went to my funeral. I'm never going to see my kid grow up. Our kids grow up. I lost, I destroyed the one woman that, you know, was my ride or die for all those years. And she had met me in sobriety so she had never seen the monster i became when i relapsed after 7 years and she's like who the fuck is this guy you know and then you know and here i am today Th- thank god i'm I'm blessed And i have this wonderful opportunity to uh, you know have treatment and and do all this stuff and uh man it's it, it's amazing and I, my buddy Joel Anthony is trying to call So he must be watching the show so i have to link up the phone to uh you know <laughs> from the sober he, sessions he,
2: he, he was wants- on uh, last week right
0: uh he was on uh yeah he was the yeah, sober was sessions sure. and joel yeah. anthony he was really great yeah. and uh he's calling because normally the show is live i just didn't hook up my cell phone to the thing so i should probably connect my phone so we can take a phone call because that would be kind of cool too
2: right but finish hey. your story so anyway so yeah I-, I wanted to hear how's it with your mom now so you've got yeah. sober in july of 2017 is that right
1: Yep, July 30th, 2017 is the last, I'm pretty sure that was the last day when I cleaned out my tutor the day before. So I count, I count 30th as my day.
2: Um,
1: And we're best friends. You know, I've been following my parents around the country. I've lived a lot of places. Like I moved to LA, wherever they go, I go. So I've done all these really great, amazing things um, in my recovery, but My dad and I are finally like at a place where it's been like the last three years. We're friends again. We laugh. Like we have holiday dinners and people want me around. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not screaming and blowing a fit and making a scene so I can have an excuse to go and leave my family relationship between all my sisters, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, like we're good. We're good. And they're, you know, my dad tells me he's proud of me. And, and that wasn't, the story for a really long time and and
2: we were talking before the show your dad's an OG right yeah he is an OG he's been in recovery for a long time right
1: he has and I wish I could remember I feel it's like third I think last year might have been 35 years or maybe it was 33 I I just can't remember right now but but he is the OG of OGs and you know I've watched him go from like what we went through as children to big, beautiful mansions and boats and and nice cars. And and he did something for himself. Like he could have been that Queens kid that was on heroin and died and, and he changed his life and he gave us a really good, you know, it was hard for a while, but as I grew up, like he really got his shit together in my adolescent teenage years and He's done so many amazing things and they they continue to let me back into their house and they continue to to love me and it's, it's and beautiful. that's the beautiful part because yeah. I was not nice like anybody else when I was using I thought I was, but I wasn't
0: yeah they don't have to hide the you know the the purses and wallets you know that's, right. that's the nice when you can go for uh for uh, what you call for th- Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that stuff. Hold on a second. I think I got Joel here. Joel, are you there? Hold on one second you there hold on let me let me connect you hold on a second i think we got him
2: what is he up to what is
0: it? <laughs> Are, can you hear us joel
2: yeah can you hear me yeah
0: i can hear you now go ahead and talk a little louder
3: all right man i got my earpiece in so i don't know if you can hear me or not yeah
0: you're live you're live with us buddy go ahead and say talk to rachel say hi to rachel
3: awesome what's going on rachel how you doing hi Joel. <laughs> Joel
2: Joel I'm sorry I missed you last week
3: uh, dude it's all good it's all good dude I missed you you know I wanted to chat with all you guys so but no thank you Rachel so much for sharing your story you know I follow you on Facebook and everything and you know everything you do for pretty much all of us you know we're, we're all in this together we're all trying to help everyone so I definitely shout out to you and your story and, and just kind of giving hope to the hopeless
1: like i always
0: say Amen. you know it, it means a lot you know it means a lot
1: thank you you're a stud joel yeah you are stud and i love sober sessions
0: yeah the sober sessions definitely follow him on facebook as well man he's yeah. got a, he's got like 7k on his followers too so he's he's rocking a nice little entourage himself yeah
1: jealous because you have the cute heart logo and i'm like all for hearts and i'm like how did you think of that that would have been so good for me <laughs>
0: <laughs> she loves yeah, your logo. Heart, you know,
1: yeah, <laughs> the
3: logo yeah you know the purple heart it was just something i came up with you know because addiction really does it hits home it hits the heart you know that and that's what it's all about and then when you get sober you know it's all about having heart you know you have mm. to have heart to survive this game you know <laughs>
0: One hundred percent, Joe, man. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for calling. Dude, I love you to death? You know that, though. We chop it up.
3: Man, I know how it is. I love you guys, too. I love everything you guys do. You know, I, I love that we're all in this together and that we're continuing to just spread hope, you know? That's Amen. love, uplift, motivate, inspire, baby. That's what we do.
0: Amen, man. Hopefully, Arlen Wise, he gave us a suggestion. Arlen Wise, you got to check this guy out. I posted his song on my Facebook page yesterday, the Shot of Hope page. <laughs> uh, it's called Dear Lord check out that song. Um, I'm going to try and get him on as a guest coming up in November. Um, But, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to get back to Rachel here. Dude, Sober Sessions on Facebook. Love you, Joel. And, uh, man, I will – we'll be talking soon.
3: See you, Joel. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I love you guys. Continue
0: doing what you do. Thanks, broski, man. love you, too.
2: This is so cool. We just took a – Keep doing it.
0: All right. Take care, buddy.
2: We just took a caller on the show. What the hell is going on? This is so cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love it, dude. You know, and, dude, that's why I have my cell phones linked to this to my board so that, like, you know, so we can do this. You know, they have a Google voice number. So when they call that, it rings my cell phone. But then I have a Bluetooth section on my, my board here in my YouTube studio so I can pull calls up from my phone onto here and we can, we can talk with people. It just makes it another so little cool. dimension better,
2: man. You know, I just got really excited. I'm it sorry. I didn't know, I, know. I didn't know we could do that.
0: bro. <laughs> we can do things, man. We have the capabilities, man. So, I, w-
2: I want to hear about what Rachel's doing with her recovering out loud and her community. Absolutely. I want to hear, well, I wanna hear the you inspiration into, for the Facebook? Yeah, I want to hear how you got to that.
1: So I've always been a helper, right? Like a helper. And let me tell you, somebody so nice like I am and the helper, they eat people like me up in the freaking game. They chew me up like a, and toss me to the freaking wolves. Um, and that's just who I've always been by nature is I've always wanted to help people. I remember when somebody told me once, they're like, you're the reason I'm a drug addict. I'm like, all I was trying to do was get you high for cheaper. Why am I the bad guy? Like, how <laughs> dare you say that? Um, and so the instant I got sober, you know, every time it's always been every little bout that I had until this last time that gives me the long-term was I was always trying to connect people to resources. And like in 2014, I got this awful DUI and I got <laughs> the amount of drugs I had was insane. Um, and, and I tried to get sober at that part. I was like starting to help my friends find rehabs and like, let's get you on, on Obamacare or healthcare marketplace and let's get you into a treatment program. And I started, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with YPR, Young People in Recovery, Mm -hmm. but that was my first like round of like getting involved with advocacy work. And I really liked it. Um, Relapsed for like nine months, came back got sober and I started my first chapter, like I started a YPR chapter and that was life-changing for me. Um, I don't know why it blew up, but it did. And we became this like really big popular thing in Salt Lake, um, doing these awesome events that had like hundreds of people come in. We're feeding the homeless once a month. We're doing, going into treatment centers and doing different life skills workshops. And, And I got a taste of what real advocacy work was and how to help people um then something happened and like haters came haters and i ended up stepping down from that position um but i'd gone into another um non and was into doing that and don't date your partner lesson learned and that <laughs> that didn't work out and then i lost that position over there and don't shit where you eat i won't ever do it again um and then I learned and then I started my own nonprofit in Utah and we became this really cool wow. um, syringe exchange program and it was boots on the ground out there in homeless camps, doing homeless advocacy, helping people. I mean, there was a point where I was getting 50 to 70 people into treatment, some some like a week and whether it was detox, sober living, getting them on like bridge program, which would get them onto Mac, getting them into treatments, like whatever it was, it was like all I was doing was using my story and like I became that big resource in this group to start that I had created which was mosaic it was called bam beyond addiction mosaic because of that whole mosaic term um and we did these really great things and and I loved it and when I moved last year I was five years into my recovery I was feeling complacent I had to get a job because nonprofit, I didn't want my nonprofit to be something that was to make money. So it was all volunteer, like really, truly giving back, not making money. So I had to work a full-time job too. In fact, I was working three jobs. Um, And I had lost one of the jobs I had, which became my identity, which was transitional housing for the homeless. And there was a budget cut and a bunch of drama. And it was like, if I ever had enough money saved up, I was going to leave at this Certain amount and I got it. So it was like, okay, we're leaving. I moved back to New York last year and I started Addicts with Perfect. Blah, blah, blah. Addicts with yeah. Perfect <laughs> was going to be my transition of letting the nonprofit I created go, which has been really hard because I didn't realize like I really depended on my, there was some ego behind that being the person everybody knew and popular to coming to somewhere where nobody knows you. I thought I was going to love it. <laughs> really thought I was going to love being in a quiet place, but but I do miss some of those things. But I created the addicts with purpose page um because I wanted to journey. It was like a whole god thing. It was like 5 years I'm complacent. What am I going to do? I need a new spiritual awakening. I am going it's to go.
0: They yes. talk about it, it again. Yeah. it's actually a real fucking thing, man. Yeah. That, that's and five I knew year.
1: I knew I was in trouble. And so only in trouble, because at that point, it was like, everything was a memory. Every corner I went to was a corner. I got, I used that, or where some kind of trauma happened, or this bad memory. And I thought after five years, I would have replaced all those bad memories, but I wasn't. And so, and I never really liked Utah Way. Anyway. So we moved back to New York. I created the page to just follow my journey and what this spiritual awakening was and what leaving somewhere, that became your home for seven years or eight years and going on an act of faith that God was going to put me where I needed to be and 100%. give me the job. And then I ended up in Tennessee. So I mean, and that's how the page started. It was like, here's who I am. And I'm going with nothing, almost bringing almost none of my stuff. And, and I did move with my parents, but we went back to New York, and I was get the kids were ready for school, and we were gonna get everything done. And then they came to Tennessee and bought a house one weekend, and I'm like,
0: "I'll go to Tennessee out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll go. And I landed a job right away. Like it was such a freak. I mean, we were literally traveling in an RV with two one-year-old rottweilers two teenagers me my mom and my dad and we lived like that for 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 like five months and we never fought that's how good my recovery is not one of us ever had a fight and and we lived together well but now i'm just here and i'm just posting who i am and trying to be vulnerable and the page is you know it's just my passion is to help people and my purpose has been to use my story and be vulnerable and be what I think I could have used maybe years ago to not have suffered for this long. Um,
0: well, you know, there's no coincidence in God's world. You know, it's uh, it's you know we all think it's a freak accident. and You know, wow, how 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 unique that this happened. Everything lines up, but you know, it's um, you know, it's that step three that turning the will of my life over to the care of God, as I understand, trust in the process, and you know uh, about what's supposed to happen. If I'm supposed to be here, I'm supposed to be here, you know, and it's, um, it's the, the greatest risks are the ones that we never take, you know, because you'll never know what the reward's going to be. And sometimes the the risk is well worth the reward. 99.9% of the time, anytime I've ever taken a risk, it's always been well worth the, the reward at the end.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and you talked about, you know, your five year journey and the, the, tracking the spiritual awakening of what you're going through. And, you know, from my experience, and I bet you your dad with long-term recovery will say the same it's taken multiple spiritual experiences throughout my recovery. I've had multiple bottoms throughout my recovery in recover while well, in recovery, like those mm-hmm. bottoms that you get in recovery, those bottoms that, you know, your purpose goes away, your ego gets hit, your relationship ends, the money goes away, the money comes, the painful loss of lives of friends like, all the things that happen to us once we get sober you know i've ex- had multiple spiritual experiences and i've had multiple bottoms while in recovery because that that hole comes back that hole of that void in my life that disconnect from my higher power whatever it is and you know having that long term recovery journey requires multiple spiritual experiences multiple psychic changes whatever you call them for me I know I've had to continue to grow throughout my recovery journey and at five years, at eight years, at 12 years, you know, whatever, you know, even at 27 years, I'm still going through a journey where I'm still having an experience and I'm still trying to find, you know, my, my purpose in recovery because it changes as I've gone along. So, you know, the fact that you're speaking to that and then documenting it is really, (laughs) cool. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I didn't know where it was going to go. Like, it's just, you never know where your pages are going to go. And it seems to be working. I'm helping people, you know, like I'm just being me, you know, and I love it. Cause I'm like, I can be quirky me. I can be honest me. I can be angry me. I can be silly me. And, and it works. And like, I love how you said you go through these waves. Cause I've gone through traumatic job loss. I've gone through heartbreak of a lifetime. I've gone through the death of my best friend. I've gone through moving literally two different countries to two different places and completely starting over. And I'm still sober. I've gotten through them. Have they been hard? Yes, <laughs> they've been super hard, but I just keep going back to the basics. Like my brain said, mm, you had to do whatever it took to get sober Mm-hmm. Now you got to do whatever it takes to remain sober. Keep it. And when, but, and I just keep doing the same thing, you know, in a good way and, and reaching out and talking to other addicts and being honest and being vulnerable. And, you know, like at my job where we've got a bunch of peer supports, but their, their recovery looks different than mine. Like I work in abstinence based program. Cause it has been proven my track record and my jail record show yeah. that I can't drink. Yeah. And a lot of them do drink. And so I've had to like, I've tried to go hang out with them and I'm like, y'all, this just isn't for me. I love alcohol too much and work is way too stressful for me to be sitting and hanging out with you guys. Cause I wish I could just have one beer. And it's hard for me to see.
0: It's hard for me to watch it. On Like I, you know, I shared about this in a, in a meeting just recently is that, you know, I go on to some of these pages and I see, you know, You know, eight years from meth, you know, five years from weed, you know, two years from alcohol, you know, and it's like, well, how many years you think you got clean? You know, like, like, like how many years are you totally absent from all substances? Well, it sounds like two years to me, Mm -hmm. you know, but you, you want to say eight. I mean, I get it, you know, but, but two is really the actual number. Yeah. And, um, it, not to say that I judge anyone's recovery. I just say, man, it's a, it puts out a very interesting message for, especially for somebody who's new, uh, who makes it to the rooms and says, oh man, I just, I just got to quit meth. I could still fucking drink you know and that's that's a fucked up message you know especially because it it doesn't it 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 it, it, it just creates you know i'll tell you this when it, when i was arrested and i had to go to these substance abuse classes they were telling me you can get your medical marijuana card michael and you know, just go down the street you know you, and that way you can stay off the hard stuff you can stay off the coke you get the medical marijuana card right here in florida and uh yeah you're going to stay off the fucking hard stuff forever you know and i'm like Motherfucker, I can't, I can't take it. I don't want any mind altering substance, period. But you, but these guys that were in jail that were coming, in, they were like, oh, wow, that's a fucking great idea, man. I can fucking, yeah, so when I piss now, you know, fucking a minute, there already no guy got my, my my card. So, you know, it's right. a, and I'm just like, man, fucking, what, where, where, where are we going here? Where are we yeah. going here? What, what's going on here? It, it's convoluting the, the message of recovery. You know, it, it, it's, it's all or nothing. You know, it's it's you can't pick and choose the substances you want to do and then and, and then proclaim clean time. You know, I mean, yeah, you might be eight years off of meth, but if you're still smoking weed and drinking, man, you're you're still fucked up, dude.
1: If you're still if you're smoking weed from the second you wake up in the morning, your first drink is at 10 o'clock. But I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And It's crazy. It fucks with yeah. my head because it's like, man, I'm just like. You know, some guy here's the here's the other one that really tripped me up. It was uh, and I sent it to Sober Gangster. I sent it, Some guy posted a, a sticker. Uh, it was uh, it was the label of a Budweiser Zero. Now, granted, and I looked this up. It is a zero point zero. There's no alcohol in there. However, that's a fucking really slippery slope that you're playing with.
2: There, it's funny though. There's a lot of people that are finding recovery from alcohol-free drinks, and who understand it. Like uh, there's a, I think there's a shindig, like a big, it's kind of like, and I I don't know exactly, but the young people recovery groups, right? Like some of the, I have had some of the craziest wild experiences in some of these young people, like young people conferences and um, gone to some crazy parties where everybody's dancing. I have friends that at their, at their last birthday, they were doing, uh, beer bongs uh, red bull, of, of, of red bull right oh wow like, okay. like they were doing it of red bull they weren't doing the alcohol-free stuff but eventually like in my recovery i got sober to live yeah right it's i, I live i live free today i can go anywhere i can do anything i can go any place and i know i'm free Gar- from my compulsion to drink and use the obsession's been lifted this obsession's been lifted. That means I can go to parties. That means I sure. can dance. I can 100. dance, and rage, and um, I can go to the bar and watch
0: a football game. Even
2: I have I have friends that when they all know I don't drink, they all order their shots and they go out of their way to get me a water shot to include me in the I include toast. You. of course, to of include course. me in the toast, they, of
0: course. They love uh, you.
2: So I think that that, that uh, those alcohol-free spirits or whatever they are. I never liked beer, so I never drank beer for the taste sure. ever. It was to get drunk. I it for both. I'd but some people effect. like some people like the taste. Some people, you know, some people drink their sparkling water with a lime in it and to feel a part of still without the alcohol side. And so I can I can see the pros and the cons to the sure. alcohol free drinks that are out there. I just think yeah, it's becoming so main. Uh, what is it?
0: Fojitos. You know, it's you Sprite yeah. and lime and a fucking it's, mint leaf in it. I mean, what the fuck ever?
2: You know, it's it, becoming, recovery's becoming mainstream. And it, it I think is. a lot of people are, I'm going to use my wife for I example. think health is, is becoming mainstream. She is, she is I not say an it's alcoholic. Recovery. Yes, yes. It's she's health. not an alcoholic. She is sober right now. She's been sober for six months and it's she's fantastic. doing it for her health benefits and she likes the way she feels and she likes how her body feels without alcohol and how she wakes up and
0: would you consider it addict behavior though because i mean you know i I only fucking tilted beers but i was fucking it in and i'm trying to fake the funk i'm still trying to live the (laughs) addict life even though i'm not fucking drinking the fucking beer
2: this is when it gets fun i think when we
0: Like I, you can, this, this is a fire. I might have to, we might have to skip a guest next week just so we can discuss this and take on phone calls or bring in a seven channel. I'm going to have to do a quad or an octobox like they do in the fucking red zone and have people in here.
2: I want to hear what Rachel thinks about (laughs) alcohol-free drinks.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I wanted to be able to drink non-alcoholic beer and i got a six pack that not this round of recovery but the last one i think i got two six packs so i could have a beer every night and sure. i drank them all in one night so i was like okay yeah. well this isn't gonna work
3: Still
1: for me
0: the behavior is But <laughs> once too many I found, and the <laughs> will never get me drunk
1: yeah i found and i flirted with this idea but i've decided it's probably not for me there's this new non-alcoholic wine and somehow it got in my freaking instagram feed that i never go on and i'm like i can have a chardonnay now and i'm just like rachel you're gonna buy two and drink them all wondering why because it's the behavior for me wondering why that little tiny buzz isn't there i drink kombucha if i want if i'm at a party and i want to feel like i'm drinking something
2: nasty (laughs) wait hold
1: on for me
0: filled with probiotics
1: Cambucha yeah. tastes like flat like camp- champagne. Yeah,
2: it tastes like, uh, you like kombucha?
0: Kombucha's is fantastic. It's so yeah. I,
2: I drink it. I don't like my it. Wife, drink it. <laughs> my wife gave me kombucha once, and I'm like, there's something about this. I don't, it feels weird. And she's like, well, it is fermented. It's and fermented. And I'm like, correct. It's I'm like, probiotics. But it t- it tasted so alcohol to me. Yeah. I can't I can't drink kombucha. I tried it, almost it and it tastes I'm like, like a ginger beer.
0: It. Like a ginger beer, like as yes. if there was, you know. Um, no, no. I, I, I you know remember, what it
1: I, tastes like? Hold on, I'm cutting you off. You know what kombucha tastes like? It tastes like the beer that was left over from last night that you went and had a sip of because you needed a drink again.
3: Oh, put, <laughs> the but
0: in put it. an
1: ice cube in it. That's what yeah. kombucha tastes like. I'm gonna be I real. Agree. See, all
0: right. And I I'll dis I'll be I'll just dis- beg to dif- disagree. I, I I like the, uh, the different flavors. They have so many like for mental health and for physical health and spiritual health. And, um, I got turned up, my wife turned me onto it. I I tried it and I was like, Oh wow, that's fucking tasty. You know? And she's like, Oh yeah. And it's great for your gut health, which is connected to the mind health, you know? So, you know, so I was like, I was like,
2: great health benefits. Absolutely. I was like, okay, probiotics
0: fucking I'm in. (laughs) I don't want to eat yogurt. So, you know, it tastes like shit to me. So, you know, give me something that tastes good.
1: My hey. mom loves kombuchas and all of them. Like we, we have them. I always sip them, and I'm just like,
2: yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. So I, I'm always a stickler to try to stick on somewhat of a time frame. Rachel, do you have any exciting things or things you want to share with us before yeah. we run out of time? Close up. Anything you want to close us out with? What, what do you want to leave? Since us we with? almost well, went down
0: another slippery yes! slope of fucking roads because I, I, you guys, we popped pop the bottle open on that one, and fucking here we are. So, I don't really
1: like, have anything. Is that your can pop, pop the top? This um, is my
2: Arizona. Yeah, Arnold. I am addicted to these. I drink like yeah, eight Arnold Palmers.
1: Days. They're good. Have you tried yeah, the Liquid Death one? They're great.
2: I have. I gotta try that. Okay. Yeah, Liquid Death them.
1: has a good one. <laughs> um, they bring those to my work party. One of the guys who doesn't drink also. Um, I don't have anything exciting going on. Like I just am living and loving my life as a single mom and raising my two kids. Awesome. But I did think of a quote that I love. And I don't know why when we when you were going off on your rant <laughs> um, it. and it was and I'd love to end with this. But, you know, people always say that they would die for their children. But why not say that you'll live for yours? And, and that's what I'm doing in recovery is I'm living for myself and for my children. And I couldn't be more grateful. Like I live the life I prayed homeless on the streets for, and my life is wonderful.
2: I'm, I'm glad you came back around to your kids. Uh, I was inside really curious how that relationship healed after you got sober. And I'm sure other people that listened were curious as well. So I'm glad.
1: But yeah, they you love you. They're my little best friend.
2: You've well, awesome. back together and have been able to, heal that relationship through the addiction time heals
1: they they do and they don't remember a lot of it and so i'm very fortunate and they love me they love my recovery they love sometimes they don't love that i recover out loud because it's a little embarrassing (laughs) to their kids but i'm like we're talking about narcan i don't care if your parents i'm that mom and well if you need condoms let me know you need to know how to use them let's (laughs) talk about it we're talking about sex too (laughs) (laughs) it's my thing
2: my my girls have Narcan in their car. Absolutely, sure. I think
0: everybody's carrying it these days. I got one in the glove box of, in my wife's car. So I mean, yeah, you have to. Shit, you never know where you're gonna where the, where fentanyl's gonna show up in in your life. You know, you don't know what person you're gonna see at the grocery store or mall or somewhere that just can't come back to life. And uh, if you you might be the one person at that, that one time that can save their life. So ma'am rachel you are a an inspiration to many and uh god i love your page and i'm going to continue to keep watching Thank your you. journey i love your journey uh, obviously we'll have you back on again um in the near future and um the the page is addict with purpose Please go and follow this young lady. Add another fifteen thousand subscribers to her, to you know, followers. I mean, she is a, she is the the lady who had, uh, you know, where you get a couple of viral posts and all of a sudden you're, again you know, the overnight sensation. I love it. I yeah. love it. I love your story. You're, again, I I, do, I will say this with absolute conviction, you're probably one of the most courageous and bravest women that I've had whose story I've been privileged to hear today. And I I want to say that with everything in my heart. I haven't heard anything that raw. In a long time, and uh, man, you are right up there, girl. Good for I
2: you. Appreciate it. Yeah, Good thank you, you so much, Rachel. It was fun. I love getting to hear your story and learn what you're doing. It's exciting, and yeah, I I love getting to hear what you're doing for the in your professional life as well. You're really impacting people. We talked about that before the show, so thank you.
0: An inspiration to women. Check her out. Addict with purpose on Facebook. Sobergangster.com. Shot of If you want to check out our website, see the blog, see everything, the video. We'll have the video feed up there. You can check that out. Um, and, you know, you can you can find out more about us all over the place. I mean, he's on Instagram. Sobergangster. Shot of hope live is uh, on there. Are you on Insta as well? Right. Rachel.
1: Yeah, I have like 100 followers on Instagram.
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's a kick in the dick for me, too. I understand. Um, But uh, we'll be back next weekend. Next weekend, we will be joined by, or next Wednesday, by Julian Bryant. Uh, beyond driven is his company he's the ceo and uh man he has got a special story to share with us next week Uh, hopefully you'll watch rachel and you can call in as well uh the number's always on the on the youtube page and look for this video at rachel's facebook page and all over where you can find and it's uh, you can you'll be able to find the podcast on anywhere podcasts are heard. iHeart, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Tune In. You know, do you find it? I guarantee you we're there. Uh, until we meet again, we will see you guys next Wednesday shout Shadow.